Well, it's this time of the week again. Is it? What time is that? The time for... 11.34? The uh, the people to open their podcast app and uh, search up Joe Rogan, realize that there's no new episode. So then go to their secondary podcast. Which is... Not the, us still. It's still not us. It's some random it's, podcast. It's uh, some other podcast, you know, on some popular uh, media network. And now we've taken over your phone. Yeah. And you can't. Pause we're, us. We were your 10th option. And now we're. Right now, if you stop the broadcast, stop what's <laughs> the playing. Broadcast. Yeah. What's playing on your phone, you're actively going against my wishes and desires. Yes. Don't hurt Ben's feelings. Imagine how that makes me feel. So you need to listen to uh, this episode of The Movie Vault. With in which we review a very beloved movie, right? Because it yeah. comes from a beloved studio. That's right. It's Luca. Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Luca. And sorry for the uh, extremely <laughs> awkward introduction to the <laughs> podcast. Um, and then by acknowledging it and acknowledging the acknowledgement, I'm making it even more awkward, which is what I tend to do with these opening bits. So yeah, and then you we gotta just be okay about with that. It. And then I usually bring up the fact that we're talking about it. <laughs> we we just are way too self-critical. Well, not self-critical, but just like self-aware of the very last thing that we did. And then we, I, I, at least I always feel the need to like bring up the last thing so that way everyone knows that I know what I just did. But do you want them to know? Yeah. Is it better? It'd be better probably for people to just think that I didn't know and then they can excuse it because I wasn't trying to make the situation awkward. But instead now I'm saying, no, I actively knew that that was happening. Or at least a second after. We're kind of tryhards though. Yeah. I think think this is, yeah. We're kind of tryhards in this regard. Luca! Yeah. So Luca is a movie that's, it's a a kind of a heartwarming tale. Aw. It's about friendship, and it was directed by Enrico Casarosa. Very nice. Who is uh, directing his first ever Pixar film? So uh, there's I've, been a lot of legendary directors. Yeah, he did. He did a Pixar short before. Okay. Um, but this is his first actual film. So like feature length film. Yeah. Uh, you know the Pete Doctors, the Andrew Stantons, the Lee Unriches, um, I, um, Brad Bird. Definitely butcher, butchered all those names. <laughs> Um, they they they're well known in the Pixar world for doing a lot of the movies, uh, but there's got to be time for a new a new face and a new um, voice, I guess. As every single cinema movie theater, not movie theater, every single studio is looking to expand in this year, we have to figure out how we can get new products and new toys to sell. So we have to have new directors, new franchises, and new money. Yes. New, well, new money is incredibly important um, because without money, this whole entertainment industry would die. And then what would we be left with to no do money. with our life? No money. No money and no entertainment. But more importantly, no money. Yeah. I don't know. Entertainment is sometimes more than money in our culture. Not to the big businesses. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Because if entertainment was really the most important thing, they would make a lot of different movies than they make. But sometimes it's I think people don't know what they need, you know? They get what they want, but they don't get what they need. Well, this movie, as you said, you, you told me off the cast that it's very broad. It's like going for a very broad audience. Oh, yeah. It's going for all ages, all types of 
all types of humans. Yeah, and that's generally Pixar's model. And it's a model that, for most film studios, does not work. Like, generally speaking, broad, uh, like, movies that try to go to... Uh, they just become, like, wishy-washy because they're trying to do too many things. But Pixar somehow has nailed the formula to just know how to have so many different layers so that different generations can see, like, the, the parent, the child, and the grandparent can all, like, see bits of their life and their past life and things that they've learned. Their past and life. Their past <laughs> Well, not their past life. Before you know. they got reincarnated. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. Anyway, this movie uh, was released this year, so it's the first movie in twenty that came out in 2021 that we've reviewed, I think. And uh, we don't know uh, what what its budget was or how much it grossed. Disney Plus movie. Because, yeah, it's released on Disney Plus, so that's very hard to calculate. Um, I guess the box office says it was $5 million, but I'm sure they're making more in subscriptions or whatever that's just their standard they're like we need to put a box office just put a five on there yeah <laughs> it's like on judge judy five can what <laughs> on judge judy can sue up to five thousand so everyone sues for five thousand to try to get the most amount of money they yeah. usually don't get that much but you gotta try yeah um it has a rotten tomato score of 90 percent too very good all right so botch watch your top notch real quick comparing to pixar movies which i think we should watch yeah this is a watch there's very few botches in Pixar's. I, I, I would say Cars three. Cars three. Um, I've not seen all of Brave, but I've seen most of it, and it Brave. was kind of un. <laughs> yeah, Brave. Uh, Finding Dory. Finding Dory's okay. No, I I don't like Finding Dory at uh, all. Ben's a very try hard, not try hard, very committed Finding Nemo fan. Yeah, that's. I think that's why I don't like Finding Dory because it doesn't feel at all like Finding Nemo, and because Finding Nemo was not there. Almost a, like a perfect movie. And I, I agree. I yeah. think it's great. Um, but yeah, this is definitely in. I'd say this is like middle, like in the middle pack for me. I don't know exactly where I would put it. Would you put it above Soul? That was the latest one. No, no. Soul is a top tier. For okay. Me. It's like in my top three. So that's where we differentiate. I would put this above Soul. Well, how? Because I, I feel like this shouldn't even be a debate. Soul is so much better. Than I, this movie. I really like Soul. Soul is my number seven. But Luca's my number six all of a sudden. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Well, I'm glad that for once, Zach likes a movie more than I do. Because I feel like it's usually the other way around. And it might be just because I usually have, I usually end up picking the movies more often than other people. Yeah, that we never put that factor in. Yeah. That you are the one choosing the movies. I, I, I like, we have this list, but we don't follow it super closely. And generally speaking, I'm like, I really want to show everyone this movie. But then you get the sad reality of that not everyone likes certain movies as much as you do. And so it's generally sometimes disappointing. And Ben picks very nice movies, but some of them are just really weird. <laughs> yeah, be because that's the kind of movie that I like. Yeah. But not everyone's wired the way that I'm wired, I guess. Yeah. And some people like more straightforward movies like this one. Yes, I agree. Because uh, Luca is just about, you know, it's a pretty you know normal plot about a sea monster who can also turn into a human. Pretty normal. And uh, and he meets a friend who and his of course his parents don't want him to escape. Now that's a super common pre- premise. Overprotective parents goes back to Finding Nemo. Yep. <laughs> um, goes back to Incredible. Although uh, I'll get to that in um, plot holes later. Okay. okay. Oh, well, I know maybe I should just address just it now because it, I'll what? forget it. Because I think they didn't set up the parents' like relationship with the kid that well. 
Like, because they're just, they're so briefly involved, and they're just, like, super over, overproductive. There's no other, like, like, there's no stories as to why they're so protective. Like, in Finding Nemo, uh, at the start of the movie, uh, what, Mar- Marlon's wife, I forget what her name is, I like, gets know. killed by a barracuda. Sarah. And it's, like, extremely, like, oh, my God. Like, and all the kids... All the kids the baby die, eggs, oh. and there's only one left, and it's just like this huge emotional moment. And you can now you can understand why Marlon is so, so awkward, like with his son. Pr- protective of Nemo because he's had this huge tragedy happen in his life. None of that in this movie. You just have overprotectivism for no reason, and it doesn't explain why. What the the sea monsters haven't explained to humans that they can turn into humans and turn back into sea monsters and be like perfectly civil. Like, that didn't make sense to me either. What, what could a sea monster that doesn't seem to be super ferocious or scary like, have done? They essentially act like humans under the water. I mean, the like, like Luca is a shepherd. Like, the, the fish he has are like sort of like sheep. So Wait, it's I like a, a Cars reference because the tractors and cars are like sheep. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think Pixar is starting to recycle a few ideas. But. Maybe, yeah. I mean, they, they're doing everything. I will say when I remember the scene where they're fishing. I know we haven't gotten through the plot yet, but they're when they're fishing. I'm wondering like Luca helped the dad fish. Um, what if he accidentally killed his own shepherd, the ones that he was trying to shepherd? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's like eating your pet or something. Yeah. Like let's eat a bunch of dogs. Like I. He's like, oh, let's go fish over this spot. <laughs> He's like, I've always wanted to taste the fish. <laughs> yeah. Also. There's there's sea monsters, which implies that they're scaly and sort of fish related creatures. They are, they have but scales. then, do you eat fish when you go become a human? Like that's sort of what you're talking about. Like not just the fish you own, but you any mean, fish. Does your in digestive general. system change? Yeah, sort of. Yes, that's my answer. Yes. Okay, we'll go with that. It's the only thing that works because we would have to have different bodies. Obviously, if one yeah. can breathe underwater, yeah, work underwater, true. and the other one doesn't. It's amazing how fast that they can transition back and forth. Yeah. Alberto uh, Scorfano is the uh, friend that he meets who um, is living in a tower and collecting human things. But they get really obsessed with the Vespa, which is a type of scooter, and they want to get one. But then, unfortunately, Luca's parents find out about him. He's going to have to go live with his uncle Ugo, who lives in the trenches of the deep sea. Another thing, they didn't really set. They it was kind of odd that they just said we're sending you with him, with yeah. no further conversation. And about it, it didn't explain really what the point was for like what like what is sending him there for a couple of months really gonna do to help him learn. I mean, obviously they're probably trying to make sure that he doesn't go to the surface, but like, what is that actually? They're still do? not teaching him why the surface is dangerous if that's their concern. They're just saying go further away from the surface, and of course he just runs away because. Of, like what else are you gonna do then yeah does it make sense they didn't explain it in a way that made sense so he's gonna be like i'm not doing this and uh and he goes above sea uh they go to the city because they're trying to get a vespa and they meet who do they meet julia yeah julia or what are they what is uh the one guy call her juliana no like sulia or something oh like. uh spulia spulia because she always throws up during the little race thing so they have this this uh, Ponteroso race, which is a an odd type of triathlon in which you swim, eat a whole bowl of pasta as fast as you can, and then... Bike. Yeah, up a mountain. It doesn't seem that hard, to be honest. Yeah, I guess unless 
eating a lot of carbs is hard. Well, I'm not good at swimming, so that part would be hard for me, but the rest of it would be terrible. Just use a scuba diving suit. Oh, well, if, especially if I could slip up into a team, then I would not. I'd probably do the pasta part, honestly. I'd probably do the eating. Too. Okay, so we would yeah. both do the eating. We would split that. Zach and I are both pretty, like, skinny and stuff, but we, we can still eat quite a bit. Yeah, Ben way more than me. Yeah, I, I can really put down. Uh, my metabolism is really treating me well at this point in my life. Give it a couple years. Yeah, yeah. Give <laughs> Stop all the miles of running and give it a few more years, and yeah. that will change. But for now, enjoying that ability. Anyway, Luca's grandmother was... The person, she mentioned that she's been to the surface before and she's kind of like not orchestrating the whole thing, but she knows where Luke, what, what's going to happen. Like she knows that Luke is going to go up and then she sees him escape and she just laughs. Like she doesn't say anything to the parents. And then Luca goes up, he goes on all these adventures. He's with, um, he's with, uh, Julia and, um, uh, Alberto. I always forget his name. And they're training for this thing. And there's also training for the race, but they're also having being bullied basically by, by this guy Air, named Ercole. Ercole, that's what it was. Ercole Visconti. And he's definitely this kind of jerk. Like he yeah. has what do you have? Like a scooter? Yeah, he has a Vespa but they yeah. want and he's rich. It's implied that he's rich and he's won five straight and is probably too old to really be competing. Like this is supposed to be for a younger age. At first I didn't realize that he was he's probably supposed to be like eighteen or so and he's like trying to pass for sixteen. And it's just, he's just a disgusting character. Do you see, he was like, he was pushing, the, trying to do a swirly in the fountain to, uh, yeah, to Luca. And like, he's always slapping his subordinates. They weren't yeah. even subordinates. They're just two kids following him. Why would they? Yeah. Follow and him? everybody thinks that he's cool because he won five, but he treats but everyone like is, horribly. People don't even think he's cool. They're just scared of him. That's yeah. Because then he's like, who likes me? So then he like raised, everybody raises their hand like out of fear. Yeah. So he's, he's a character. I mean, he doesn't really play a lot into the plot. He's kind of just like the central antagonist to keep the story going. Right, right. So. Yeah, he he, uh, he gets what's coming to him by the end. But they have to go through a few more obstacles in that uh, Luca's parents try to, to find him. And then eventually, uh, Julia gets the attention of Luca more so than, than Alberto. And Alberto starts getting a little jealous. And then they get into a fight about it. And Alberto reveals to Julia that he's a sea monster. But as he's doing so, L- Luca, like, pretends he's not a sea monster in the moment. <laughs> it and, all happens so fast. Which Alberto... <laughs> as- and then, uh, and then uh, er- Ercole is trying to come kill him. Like, literally, like, harpoon him. So he's not even protecting his friend. And I think he starts to regret it. But it does happen very quickly. But then it's pretty soon after that Julia spill some water on purpose onto Luca and realizes that he's also a sea monster. So he has to go make amends with uh, Alberto. But Alberto actually he finds comes to him. No, no, he goes to Alberto in the tower. Yeah, but then he says go away, and then doesn't Alberto the one... No, then out? he asks about the marks on the wall. Remember? Oh, uh, yeah, I, okay. I guess you're right. That's more... Well, he does ask about... Uh, and then we find out that his dad didn't die, which is, I think, what sort of... I assumed at the start of the movie is that his dad was dead and he had, but his dad just left him. Yeah. He like abandoned him. So it's sort of worse yeah. than him dying because if he had died, it would be like he couldn't help the abandonment, but he was actually just had just abandoned his son and left him to live on his own. And he was hoping he came back and then eventually he stopped counting because it was so long. Um, but you're right. Uh, then he goes back to the town to try to fix everything. He does the race separately. 
from Julia, and he uh, figures out a way to swim without revealing that he's a sea monster, barely. He eats the pasta, and then they start going up the mountain, biking. He's really good at biking at this point, and he passes Ercole, <laughs> and then it starts to rain, which really starts to mess up his plan. Oh, what, what, what about the timing on that? Yeah. Huh? And then Alberto decides... He or comes and brings a, an umbrella, but before he can get to there, Ercole cruelly knocks him to the ground, and then Alberto is revealed to everybody as being a sea monster because of the rain, and the umbrella is not over him. And then uh, Ercole tries to to get him with a net, but then Luca also reveals he's a sea monster, rescues him. They win the race, and then at the end, Julia's dad who uh, was sort of an important character that I failed to mention. He only has one arm. He's a huge buff dude who fishes. And uh, he had really taken a liking to Luca, and especially Alberto, I think, Mm -hmm. um, because of the pasta eating and the the fishing. They were both really good at fishing. I wonder why. Um, (laughs) But but he makes the decision that the sea monsters are obviously friendly because they they haven't changed other than their look. Um, Which I guess we find out that sea monsters can... uh, I guess because the water is on them, they can still be on land. They're on land. As, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird to think They about. can do whatever they want. They're basically, yeah, you can sort of do whatever they, they want. They can have clothes. They don't have to have clothes. Either way, they're not going to show up naked. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. That that was kind of like they had to do that, but yeah. it was weird. I guess you could have done, they could have done like they gave Luke No, they gave Luca shorts in the water. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that that makes... Most people had clothes, I think. Oh, that makes sense. So, and then, uh, what was I going to say? Um, so then, then Ercole lose, has lost the race at this point, and it's really, like, um, a sad sort of thing uh, that, you know, that, why, why, it's not sad, it's, it's, I don't know, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Basically, it's like everything happy kind of happens in the last like. Yeah, it's the opposite one of what minute, I said. The one minute of the movie, like all of a sudden they they win the race, they get Julia's dad's approval. Eric Collet gets thrown and and everyone doesn't think he's cool anymore. Yeah. And Alberto figures out a way to convince Luca's parents to let him go to school with Julia and learn. And education is the most important thing in life. Oh. So some, some professors got involved in the writing of this movie. Yeah, so it all works out, and um, yeah, it's, it's so fairly you know aside from the confusion about how the sea monsters work, it's kind of a straightforward tale. Yeah, I mean that it, you can see themes from other Pixar movies, shown in uh, like parental strain and parental relationship with children, um, friendship. And figuring out who you trust and becoming more confident in yourself and that sort of thing. Um, and ultimately becoming un- unafraid at the end. It's a coming-of-age story, to, just like every Pixar movie. Yeah. Yeah, it sort of is a coming-of-age story. Oh, that's what, what uh, Italy set coming-of-age story is how Pixar described it when they first announced the movie on July 30th, 2020. Wow, we're so smart that we know that date. Yeah, I wonder where we found that from. So, oh, here's the um, the influences. Um, so, oh, this is amazing. What? This makes me respect this so much more. When I started this movie, or when this movie was in Italian, I said, oh, one of my favorite movies is Italian. At eight and a half. 
This movie pays homage to the director of that movie, Federico Fellini, who is one of the uh, the the classic, you know, Italian filmmakers. I could I could see that a little bit. Um, although this this movie doesn't have too many direct comparisons to Eight and a Half, other than maybe a few parts of the reflection on uh, his childhood, on Fellini's childhood. But I but I can see the sort of Italian influence on the film, and then. Miyazaki, who is of course known for making, you know, f- many famous anime movies, including huh. like Spirited Away and um, those sort of movies. And then there's, well, I think Wes Anderson's stop motion movies also influence some of the uh, like artistic sensibilities. So that's that's kind of interesting to see the influences. But I I love that Fellini was like a a main influence. That just because- made Ben's day. Because now I sound really smart knowing who that is. Yeah. I've only watched like two of his movies, but the other one I watched was called The Clowns, and it was like a mockumentary about clowns. It was kind of boring, but kind of interesting. That sounds really interesting, actually. It wasn't quite the direction that I was expecting it to go. Like it was literally just about like circus clowns, and then they'd go interview like these circus clowns in their old age, and then there'd just be like circus performances in the middle. Like, it definitely felt like a documentary, but then there was parts that were, like, sort of so, like, th- intended to make people you laugh or whatever that it was, it was like, not real. I don't know, it sort of blurred the lines between, like, being real and being fake. It was interesting. But the quote of the movie is, Silencio Bruno, which is supposed to be the thing that he said whenever he was afraid. And then... Uh, I have a review from one of our guests who was on our podcast uh, in the past, and that would be Jonathan Young. Yeah. Who uh, was he was on our podcast during which episode was it? Uh, Casino Royale. Yes, and he had to come over Zoom or yeah. something. Um, and he wanted to be here tonight, but he couldn't be because he was working. So he gave me a review to read. And this one's not an outsider review because it's not pessimistic. So he says. Uh, Masterful animation that makes me feel shameful of my own creations. By the way, Jonathan is a very talented animator. I've I've seen his work, so I don't think he should be ashamed. He just doesn't have the access to the technology that these people have access to. Beautiful visuals, a well-developed premise, music that is downright great, albeit not memorable, in his opinion. Great characters, a villain who feels threatening throughout a solid portion of the runtime, and a story that is... Undoubtedly the weakest link, but gets slightly better upon reflection. And then he says, has a humorous section, Questo film fa un poschifo ricotta, which is Italian for something, but I'm not going to do the work to figure out what. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate that review, Jonathan, and uh, I definitely can see like where he's coming from on a lot of that. Like I think I get some of the... This film is like pretty, fairly uplifting, you know? And it's like sort of sort of whimsical, I guess. And the animation is... Pixar always seems to have a way to make their animation look even more impressive every movie that they make. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I agree. I think The Incredibles 2 was the peak of that for me. Really? I think, I think Soul, was, Soul was the peak of Pixar animation for me. Yeah, that, that was really good. But, like, when I was... When you, like... There was a scene in Incredibles 2 where, like, Jack-Jack was in a crib. And you could see, like, the tiny little hairs and wrinkles on the top of his oh, head. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, whoa... This is like real life. Yeah, I think there were some parts of this movie that I was like, oh, they're de- the animators are definitely just showing off right here. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, we have billions of dollars. Because <laughs> the scale, the transition between scaled and human 
was like very detailed. It happened quickly because I think they they maybe had to do it like or for the for the plot of the movie it had to happen quickly yeah. to work. Uh, but it still looked extremely like impressive. But we still have to give you a pessimistic outsider review because you can always That's be a our pessimist. Job. Yeah. <laughs> and so um Charles Solomon from Film Week, KPCC, NPR Los Angeles, NPR guy, you know, this is the government's review of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the federal government approves this movie. <laughs> Actually, they don't because he says, well, I give Pixar points for trying things. Well, first of all, Pixar, give credit to the director. I'm just kidding. Uh, for trying things a little simpler and making some of the animation a little bit more cartoony in places. It's very talky and very familiar. Meaning that it doesn't maybe there's not as many sections that the film is given to just breathe and just take in the scenery. And a lot of the premise is sort of like been done by Pixar before. It's not anything necessarily entirely new. Yeah, it's an hour and 40-something minutes with credits. So it's a shorter end of movies. Um, so they do kind of have to go like from point to point throughout yeah. the whole thing. Do you own a house under the sea? Yes. Or a boat that goes above the sea? Both, actually. Well, you might need, I don't know, insurance on those things. I do, actually. Especially the house under the sea, because it seems like that could be like subject to a lot of different variations. Yeah, and... it's hard to cook my meals. Yeah. So, uh, Hedman Anglin Agency, or HAA, is known for saving people money. Well known in the area well that we live in. Uh, for saving people money on auto, home, and business insurance. And I think I I would I would bet that you could also get some information on boat insurance there too because I'm pretty sure you'll need that if you have a boat. So if you're interested in any of this at all, call 614-486-7300. That's 614-486-7300. And if you do so, make sure you tell them that the Movie Vault sent you. Yeah. The first person who we hear does this is going to get like... A thousand somethings. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to say Pro- dollars. <laughs> probably pats on the back Yeah, or something. Actually, I don't got time for that. that. That is a lot of time. We're not going to promise anything, but w- if we ever hear that somebody actually takes us up on this, we're going to be pretty excited. And I'm serious. You, This is this is actually a way to save money. Don't just settle for your below average insurance. Make your insurance work for you. Above average. Yeah. Good job. Above average. Good you job, d- HAA. You never want below average. You always want above average. Yeah. Good job, HAA. <laughs> Okay. Do that. <laughs> We're gonna go, go into our talking points. Yeah, the ten talking points. Dun dun. dun. So sentiment. Ooh, this meant a lot to me. I think that was pretty clear. Um, I can't really resonate with any human, but Pixar does resonate with me because they make even computer, Zach computers can become humans. I feel like you would resonate with uh, like um the characters in the movies Blade Runner because they're very, like, lacking in emotion, you know, and they're very, like, straightforward, and then the movies have them, like, re- they reveal more and more sides of their emotion. But Pixar can relate even to Zack, so I think that is just nothing. Testament. Nothing beats the Predator. I can relate to the, <laughs> the Predator. The Predator. <laughs> just, that was a joke. Or Bambi. I can or relate Bambi. to Thumper. <laughs> Thumper. <laughs> he can relate to... Uh, 
uh, Scrooge McDuck in in the, <laughs> the Disney Christmas Carol, or, or or just I can relate to Scrooge and like just Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, but he's the second the part of Ebenezer Scrooge that's giving away lots of money and stuff. No, the one the one that's in the beginning taking the stuff away from everyone. Sentimentally, this movie didn't really mean a whole lot to me because it felt a little bit repetitive from other things. But it also was, like, not lacking in meaning entirely. So I, it's more, like, middle of the road. But I can appreciate the parts of it that I saw. Um, but I think Finding Nemo does a lot of this movie better. It does. It's a, And it's this is ranked number seven or six for me. But Finding Nemo's above it. Yeah. Way above it. So There might be a little gap there. Yeah. Um, the message of the movie, I think, is sort of, I don't know whether it's weak, but... It's not it's not one of the deepest messages they've ever done, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't ring true. It's a message that you could have predicted from the very beginning. Yeah, unlike it's a somewhat predictable message. Unlike Soul, where you don't know where it's going. And it's end. a fairly open for interpretation message, you know? Yeah. Like, they leave it kind of open-ended so you can fill in whatever interpretation you want, which is okay, except for... Ben, don't, don't you love ambiguity? I, I love ambiguity, but in this context, I'm not sure I like it as much. Okay. You don't like animated ambiguity. Yeah, maybe I'm so used to Pixar like making me feel a particular way, and now when they're like, okay, here's some room to figure out how you feel. I'm like, like no, I want you to tell me. Snuggle me. Don't give me room. Yeah. <laughs> the plot is, uh, you know, it's all right. I think what Jonathan said was kind of true. Like, it was a little bit weaker on the plot, like, just because it wasn't as deep. It's a lot lower stakes, I think. Yeah, it's like like there's like, oh, yeah, they're going to get stabbed with a harpoon. Like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to see somebody get, uh, sea monster get stabbed with a harpoon. No, we're not. But, uh, I wish. But the stakes were a lot lower than, like, Soul, but. Or are up. The stakes of soul were like the whole universe. We're like life and death. Yeah, there was like so much at stake. And then like this is like, oh, we're going to lose a bike race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be able to go to school. I'm not going to get a Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get a good solid education. And then there's Coco, like finding the line between life and death and trying to save his family yeah, that's what from I'm disappearing saying. forever. I think there's been a lot of uh, Pixar movies about like death. So then when you make one that's not about death. I bet you they make a movie called Life. <laughs> Just yeah, life. they will. It'll just be called it's life. Just, Pixar's really good at one word yeah, things. Like up. Or up, like... Uh, Soul. Coco. Luca. I would think up, cars. up is more... Well, all their movies are about death are really about life. Like, that's the point of Pixar movies. Like, you discuss death to, un- death to understand the meaning of life. I think is, like, where they're coming from. And they come to different conclusions in each movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really dependent on, I guess, like... Situations. <laughs> situations and what probably the director, whoever writes or influences the movie the most, kind of yeah. their view on life is. The character arcs were good, but they were a little quick. I, I, I had one problem. It didn't make sense to me for Luca to just leave his family behind like that. That's and true. It's just, like he had no attachment to his family yeah, at all. Yeah, he, he let. I can relate to that. That's why I relate to this movie. I'm just joking. That was a joke. <laughs> but he leaves, and he doesn't even think about anything he left behind. He goes straight into his new life, and then when he's fighting with, when he's fighting with, I think this was a mistake in the movie. When he's fighting with Alberto, and they get into a big fight, and they're like hitting each other and stuff like that, he says to Alberto, "I want to go to school." And I think the fact that he was thinking about that when his new life is falling apart, like it's not working out, his, him and Alberto aren't, are kind of fighting right now and like 
this whole it's just not working out situationally, he should fall back on his old life, right? But he thinks about school, which yeah. is kind of odd, right? Yeah. So I thought that was like just yeah, like what kid is gonna be like? I want to go to school. That's my most important motivation <laughs> over my family. When he just and the, learned about it, and it's it. not even like his family was bad. Like it's not like he came from a family that was. Like, they maybe didn't make all the right choices, which is true of every family, and they didn't, like, parent him in a way that he understood. So as he, he had more, you know, as he, he became more independent in his thought, he maybe couldn't relate as well to his parents. But they didn't seem to set up a way their family in a way that, like, he respected their authority. So then he just sort of did it did what he wanted but then it was like at the start of the movie he was like afraid to do anything against his family and then all of a sudden there's just this like sudden switch so luca's kind of character arc was a little off for me but it was just weird because like it when his new life he goes to his new life leaves his family behind when his new life is falling apart he he, the thing he he's worried about is that he's not going to go to school and not about oh i left my family never once did he say i left my family i feel bad i left my family behind like they miss me they're worried about me yeah that's 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 what normal movies where someone runs away talks about like nemo yes exactly like he's thinking about getting back to his dad because he loves his dad it doesn't seem like luca actually loves his parents imagine nemo leaving and he's like my dad's worried about me. Instead of that, he says, oh, actually, I want to go to school. <laughs> like, Wait, there could be some deeper, like, hints at where they're, like, pushing society in this movie to where they're trying to, like, detach kids from families and attach them instead to, like, educational systems. So like, that they can buy more products. Like, as the gov- like, I don't mean to get conspiratorial here, but if the government can influence... Or the government or whoever, universities or private institutions, corporations. It's all the same. Whatever. I'm just joking. Any of those institutions working together can have more influence over kids than their parents, then they can be more efficient workers. Alberto's more not efficient real. members of society. We're really getting at some really like, yeah, like, but then, like subconscious like meaning behind this movie. Yeah, but then Soul was the exact opposite. He was worried about everything he'd done already and like worried about his family. I, I I just think this was just a complete change of direction from, like, Pixar's themes in the past. Yeah, they're trying to get everyone to care the most in life about school and Maybe it's everything not Pixar else thinking that. Maybe it's just Enrico. Maybe it's... <laughs> the director. Maybe he's just the one. That's why I'm like, who do we blame this on? Now, hopefully not Pete Docter. He's always come through, like, pretty strongly in, in uh, most other movies. But he's the, uh, you know, the president now, so he obviously okayed this. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I can't say that I necessarily agree with that part of the movie as much, but it, it's it's a part that most people probably won't even notice. Yeah. So, unless you're us. Unless you're us, and or you're like really. Other people will probably talk about it honestly on YouTube. Don't we, go to honestly, them, this would be a great video to like start off our YouTube channel that never really took off. Yeah. Because we could talk a lot. There's a lot of different like, but it's like almost only like two or three different parts of the small parts of the movie that we're basing this entire like theory on. Yeah, but they're integral parts. They're the parts when decisions are being made like right. to affect, that affect the rest their, of the movie. It's yeah. the, like you expected his new life to not work out, right? Yeah. So the whole movie you're like in the beginning of the movie you're like, "Oh, he's going to go to the surface." They keep talking about it. And then the second part of the movie you're like, "Oh, his new life isn't going to work out." But then it's in that moment when you're like, "Okay, I don't know where this movie's going." That's you predicted the beginning parts but you don't know where it's going to go in that moment when he's fighting with Alberto. Yeah. And then you're like, I want to go to school instead of... <laughs> uh. yeah. Anyway, okay. I thought Alberto's storyline was okay. 
he's like trying to be a man, like trying to think that he know, pretend that he knows everything, trying to help this kid out, which is yeah. very sweet. But uh, there's definitely a personality type that that would relate. Yeah, like I, I know I'm not, people. I'm not as much like that where I'm just. Like I'm putting on an an act of confidence. Like I definitely probably show my yeah. lack of confidence more. Yeah, Ben's a loser. Obviously, um, but some people are really good at like hiding their insecurities or confidence and masking it over sort of a performance, <laughs> and uh, and that's sort of what the Alberto character is getting at. Uh, and then Julia, what was hers? Um, I don't gotta know. win that race. Yeah, oh, I lost again. Didn't um, throw up though. And you got to be friends with these other guys so that they can, because it's important to the plot. That's true. Her character was not really that interesting, <laughs> if you really think about her it. Her character arc is, oh, these two are best friends. Or, I'm going to split them up. I'm a weird loser who nobody likes, and all I care about is winning a race and going to school. And I, But I don't really have any flaws, so other than I'm weird and everyone thinks I'm weird, but that's their flaw, not And my, my dad flaw. will always support me. Even when money is tight, which oh, just, that's so nice though. Yeah, the dad, uh, the dad was great in this movie. I was at first, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be like a real fierce character," but then he was like such a like warm oh and my loving gosh. guy. When he went out to go try to find Alberto, he's like, he's like, I don't think he wants him look anyone looking for him. He goes, maybe not, but at least I'll at least try. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet of him. Yeah. Uh, but one area of the film I think we can agree upon is that the cinematography or the animation, I guess, beautiful, is amazing. The color palette and choice, yeah. I, I, they said it was influenced by Wes Anderson. I think that coloring is sort of one of the th- like Wes Anderson. Lighter. Wes Anderson usually picks co- certain colors and then makes the movie sort of based around those colors more so than other directors. So there's a lot of like light blues, light greens, yeah, and like. Um, Pastel colors, kind yeah. of like my shirt. I mean, these are more faded, but but like everybody saw your shirt just now. Yeah, <laughs> it's although I I I guess it's not exactly like my shirt, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like the pastel sort of thing is uh, definitely like prevalent, and it has. I mean, it has to do with it being sea related. The sun's always in the background. The sea looked like an actual ocean, to be honest. Like yeah. not maybe not the waves, but they did that on purpose. But like. When when they were in the Riviera and it was kind of there's showed the background like it looked like real water yeah like the sun shining. I still think that Finding Nemo holds up though, like in terms of animation. I know the animation has gotten a lot better. Yeah, but how? Did but they I do still that go then? to old uh, like old Finding Nemo, which was way back in the start of Pixar kind of. How did they And do it's that? still like breathtaking to me like that's one of the things that I remember about that movie Just is how big the about, ocean is. Think about the other movies coming out at that time. Yeah. Like how crappy those action movies were. Yeah. Like, Fast and Furious. Yeah. Or like, uh, I mean, there were some good movies coming out at the time of Finding Nemo. Memento would have come out around that time. I just think of the movie like The Incredible Hulk. Like the CGI in that was horrible. And that came out in 2008. Or like Ghost Rider in 2007 had horrible CGI. Like all these movies sucked. And then you have Nemo, which came out what, like 2004. Three, I think. And it wow. was incredible. And the Incredibles in two thousand four was still pretty good too. I still, like, I think in terms Nemo. Of humans. I think Nemo was looked better than. Oh yeah. Incredibles no, and Toy Story. Nemo has got to be one of the ones that over time it's like shocking how much it's held up. Although I'll probably go back and watch it and be like, oh yeah, I'd notice more. Like because I think as much as I don't like Finding Dory, they did like there are certain things they improved upon. But there were certain like intangibles about Finding Nemo. Anyway, I'm getting like fanboying over here about Pixar. Fanboy, fanboy. <laughs> Originality, I think this one gets pretty low marks. I mean, 
I mean, it's Pixar, so you got that heartwarming story. So I expected that, and then I expected everything to turn out well. Yeah. We need a Pixar movie where everyone dies. Yeah, that's the only thing we need. A tragedy. Yeah. To, like a, I don't think that could ever happen, though. Because Just one word, kids, death. Kids can't, aren't mature enough to be able to deal with tragedy. They will movies. be if we detach them from their parents through movies like these. Yeah, if we detach them and then we make that's... them emotionless beings who are capable of making decisions that are the ben. most efficient and not not uh, what it matter, like is most helpful to you know caring about people. That way we can make more money and yes. businesses can be more profitable. That's what that's I was That's what thinking. the point of this movie is, by the way. They only want to detach people from their own lives so that they can make new movies that for new audiences that have different tastes now so to stay relevant and make money. Man. We're, we're, I mean, I think Pixar's coming apart a little bit, honestly, after the talking about some of their, you know, obviously what they're trying to accomplish by these films. I guess it's true, yeah. Um, the, the acting, I guess, in this movie, because I don't feel like there's a whole lot to talk about with originality. It was, it, the voices fit, honestly. Yeah. I've never heard of a lot of the people, which is odd because usually they get uh, a couple of big names to sort of... Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. And, or uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Like, and they usually do a good job, but and you don't notice that as much, but like the most recognizable names on here are like uh, Jim Gaffigan plays the dad. Wait, really? Yeah, he's the a comedian. comedian. Yeah. And then Maya Rudolph is also a comedian. She plays... Oh, she's in The Good Place. Oh, what is she? Who is she? Oh, she's the mother. And but everyone else, I I think some of them don't even have Wikipedia pages because I think some one of them looks like he might be an actual like Italian actor. Jacob Tremblay was in the movie Room, which was uh you know an artsy kind of movie that a lot I think A twenty four probably produced it. A lot of people like that movie. And then uh, somebody who was in It was Alberto. So Luca was played by the guy from Room, Jacob Tremblay, and then Jack Dylan Grazer, who was in It, um, was chapter Alberto. One or chapter two. I think the first one. He was also Freddie Freeman in DC Extended. Seems like he was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bigger deal than us. Wait, he was in Robot Chicken as Freddie Freeman. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, he's much bigger deal than us. I say that sort of facetiously. Well, not for long. Not for long. I'm telling you, even though we have experienced almost no growth and we're pretty, like, plateau in terms of our <laughs> podcast. That's our fault, though. Oh, it is 100% our fault. Um, but at one point, we'll, you know, put in enough work that it'll actually be successful. One day when... It's hey, going to come. The time is going to come. is the most important thing, and we're, like, at least kind of consistent. We're for, we're 80% consistent. Yeah. We've uh, I slip up. I'm a lot of the stuff. Yeah, but Ben does all the work. So when he slips up, it's me not taking on the slack so he slips up. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, I guess. That's if you're wondering any behind the scenes. The style is really good. Fits in with cinematography and animation. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The uh, sea monsters, the Rivera. Yeah. Yeah, I everything. Guess. Very, very good touches of the themes of beauty, and even the scene with like the anchovy stars and the anchovy sun. Like, there's a lot of oh cool... yeah, his dream sequences were cool. Yeah, not that, as cool as I the think mysterious that dream was sequence. the part that reminded me most of Fellini, because Fellini, like uh, in eight and a half, goes in between a lot of dream sequences in his characters. Now, in Fellini's movies, it's confusing because he's more of a surrealist director at times, so it's harder to tell what's a dream and what's supposed to be like the real part of the movie of course none of it's a real so that's like of course sort of the 
the point with that sort of thing too. But <laughs> but uh, that I think was played homage to Fellini's style, which I really can appreciate as somebody who's, you know, I've I've watched some pretty fancy and artistic movies in my time. Ben's eyes work. <laughs> <laughs> my eyes work and my mind can process things. Yes. All right. Uh, score. I I noticed that. I do think it was maybe not memorable, but it was like solid. I don't it remember did. it at all. That's why I remember <laughs> I've like seen it twice. <laughs> I agree with Jonathan and Jonathan and his synopsis that it's like really good, but it's not memorable. So I mean that that's fine because it gets its job done. And the choreography with the the scales back and forth and the swimming and racing, it's all pretty good. Yeah, I liked it when they were punching. Yeah. Or when he has to punch the heart of his uncle. Oh, yeah, or when the dad pushes that kid into the water. Yeah. I like that part a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what would be your uh, letter grade for a movie like B this? B plus. I give this a B minus. Ooh, so that's bad. It's not bad. A B minus is an 80%. That's not bad. That's horrible. I'm okay. I'm not. I'm saying in Pixar movies. I get a B minus in all my class. No, no, no in Pixar movies, maybe it's okay. No, I, I compared to the all movies compared ever. To, I guess okay. Yeah, I think I'd still go B minus. I mean, I could see it moving up to a B, but like, I think if anything, talking through it has made me like it a little bit less even than I did when I first when we first started. You're this. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but I can respect the B plus. Yeah. I think just uh, like we want different things out of. Like these types of movies. I want action and drama and big explosions, and Ben just wants someone to do something different than another movie. <laughs> yeah, or I, I want um like yeah big like like sort of uh, uh, existential concepts to be or philosophical. You but know, aren't they all the same question? Aren't they all just digging after what life is? Yeah, that's true. Every movie is just digging after what what life is, and just di- from different perspectives of characters. Yes, and then they, and then if, if they ask that question, is it that deep even? If it's been asked before. But then if you, you watch a movie that's like, it's the it's not clear what question they're asking. That those are the best kind of movies. Yeah, because then, then you're questioning what question you're supposed to ask. And that does make you think. That's right. That's good. But like, is that worth? Like, is it worth? Like, why is it not worth stating? <laughs> Because I don't, I, I don't know. Well, this is I feel like this is a whole nother topic because this movie is not like the movies that I'm referring no, to. No, definitely not. And I I talk like I watch all of these movies that are like this, but I've only really seen a couple of movies that are truly like the movies that I'm describe that I'm describing as like being uh, extremely like surreal and and uh, not concrete. Like, um, Better like there's only been a couple everything. that I've actually watched. Uh, but anyway, plot holes. We ca- talked a lot about the plot holes of the like interaction between his parents. Yeah, I think I've, his parents, Luca's storyline, the uncle whole thing, just bringing that whole thing up. Yeah. It's just kind of like, it was in there for just plot, and they didn't really expound upon like the parent relationship. And then his mom's just like, oh yeah, go to school. <laughs> Where did the school thing come from? Like, yeah. It just, I don't think the school thing was needed at it, all. It came up very suddenly, and it was surprisingly into, they needed a way for him to, to say goodbye to everyone to get that yeah. pixar sadness it's just like okay now you're just gonna leave your family and go to the educational paradise where you'll learn you know everything yeah because i feel like what's the choice it's like i i'm either I either stay home and live my life as i did 
or I can go to this new world that I just discovered with Alberto. But then like three, two, three, three fourths way through the movie, it's just like, oh yeah, there's also a third option, school. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait, what? And I'm gonna pick the third option. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's just all of a sudden like completely okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It was odd. That's definitely a big plot hole in the movie. So, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm just getting I mean, tired. I, now I mean, I, I like school, to be honest. Yeah. Like, but like, Zach loves school. I don't love it. I like okay. certain classes. Zach's motivated to I, do school. I am motivated, but I like certain classes. A lot of classes, I think, are super pointless and dumb. I'm serious. Like, there are classes out there that are so dumb and wastes of, like, waste of time. And gen ed should not be something that... I get it, you have to, like make everyone go out of the same system so that you can compare people because there's competition between different jobs and careers and stuff like that. But you, I shouldn't have to take, like, the dumbest classes ever to go for the major that I want to go for. Yeah, but at least their grade... Pa- they I don't be, care. I'll, I, I'd rather... Be, I'd be more motivated doing a class that I want to pursue as a career. Yeah, that's true. And get a good grade in that. Because then it's like, oh, your GPA is this... Like, that doesn't tell you anything about how good you are at what you want to do in the future. That tells you how good you are at taking dumb classes. That, yeah, that's absolutely, I mean, there's, anyway, you can't really argue sorry, that. Sorry, Um, Stock market. I'm investing in Pixar, like, so much money in Pixar. I don't think the Pixar train is stopping anytime soon. I'll probably invest at least, I only have, like, what, $3 billion? Yeah. I'll probably invest 2.8. I think there was a point in time that Pixar looked like it was, like, a little bit on the edge of, like... After Cars 3. After, well, we'll think all the sequels. Yeah, they did Monsters, a lot of those in a row. Monsters University, Finding Dory, Incredibles 2. Um, Cars 3. Cars 3, Toy Story three and four they were all made in sort of the same era and not all of them were bad some of them were actually really good but they were all not original ideas and there was a few original ideas in there that were really good like up and wally had been before ratatouille was sort of before that era and then uh inside out came out at some point yeah inside out was that. in the mix of sequels and then the good dinosaur sort of flopped that's one of the ones i've never watched because it was always I liked sort of it. like it was okay it's on the lower end yeah a lot of people are just like, yeah, it's just fine, but it's nothing, you know, crazy. And I'll I'll get to it at some point, but um, but that they've really rebounded nicely from that. I think I'm trying to think what movie brought them. I mean, Toy Story four was excellent. Oh yeah, very. And good. Uh, and then you have Onward, which was pretty good, and then this Soul and Luca and Coco, all of those. Yeah, Coco's. Very I'm good. saying them in the wrong order, but. But there was sort of like a new era of original ideas. And that's one of the biggest things that Pixar does that other studios aren't doing is that they're still making ideas that are new worlds and new new places. And they've started recently exploring different cultures, kind of. Like, now this is like an Italian, Mm -hmm. look at Italian culture. So that's actually a really interesting thing to do with this type of movie. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think it's good. And they did it with Coco and with Soul to some extent. I, uh... The next movie is coming out. The next one is called Turning Red. And it's about a little girl that when she gets excited, she turns into a big red panda. So that's another original idea that I think is just like, okay, that's it's very a, original. That's, a, that's a, a sort of a weird you know, premise to start with, yeah. too. And then the next movie after that is called Lightyear. Oh, and that's that one is a cool idea because yeah. it's... The this... actual movie. For, so like the Toy Story franchise within it, in the stories, in the movies... 
Buzz Lightyear is based is a toy based off of a movie. He's like an action figure based off of the movie. And Lightyear is that is that movie. Yeah. And Chris Evans is Buzz Lightyear. That is so uh, like the the, uh, the side of me that loves like meta like things. That's like just that's amazing. That's like almost too much. And it's not like a toy. This is like a human or like a human or alien whatever yeah. whatever he is. Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger movie. And that's With so cool. Zorg and everything. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. It's amazing. So those are the next two. They don't. Ha- they haven't announced anything after that. I don't think. No, I'm trying to think whether they'll make any sequel. A lot of these movies that they've made aren't really movies that can have sequels. Like it's different. Like the f- the first era of Pixar Soul movies. Soul two. He makes the same mistake. Falls <laughs> yeah, like the same you, what, you're not gonna make up two. You're not gonna make Soul two. Don't you're make not it. Making- if they make an up two. The only thing that they could do, maybe Ugh. they could do an Inside Out with like tackling, but that would even be. And the you'd have to go in the teenage years, which would be two the topics you'd have to cover in that sort of coming of age movie would be like a little bit too much for um like younger audiences. Incredibles three, maybe Incredibles three. I think I think they'll probably make Incredibles three. They're doing oh, Pixar isn't done actually. I forgot Monsters at Work is a TV show going on Disney Plus, and it stars actual. Mike Wazowski and uh, oh, that'll be cool. And uh, Sully, so yeah. like that's an actual Monsters Inc. TV show, and it takes place after Monsters Inc. So it's the first time we'll see them since what two thousand four. Wait, who's like the that. guy who plays Mike Wazowski? Um, I can't remember. I know John Goodman plays Sully. Yeah, I love John Goodman. Uh, Mike Wazowski. Billy Crystal. Yeah. Wait, scroll up. It says Mike Wazowski's eighteen. And oh, he's eighteen in Monsters University, twenty eight in Monsters Inc. Okay, yes, yeah, so it's like ten sense. years after. Oh yeah, they they probably figured that out after um, Monsters University because then they have a time frame to like, because they probably said like ten years later yeah, is when yeah. Monsters Inc. was or whatever. All right, so uh, yeah, um, we'll be back next week with something, but uh, for now, well, what are your final conclusions on Luca? Um, this is the second time watching it. I liked it better the first time, mainly because I watched it like by myself, and I get really emotional by myself. He doesn't reveal any emotions when people are in though. Very conveniently, it was a very very nice movie. I really enjoyed it. I think the friendship thing was great. I think the animation was great. It's Pixar, so I'm probably gonna love it anyway, unless it's like a really poorly made sequel. Um, yeah, I don't know. There were some plot holes here and there, but overall, I really like. I'd, I'd rewatch this a few more times, but not like right now. But yeah. like I'd rewatch it a few more times. Yeah, at least. Pixar have high rates of rewatchability, generally speaking. Yeah. The one thing was this: a lot of Pixar movies really get me. There was, I guess, sort of parts that maybe got me a little bit emotionally at the end, but the, I sort of was like, it didn't seem like they earned the payoff, even though you sort of get it because you're like put yourself in the situation and be like, how would I react to this? But I think as compared to some of the recent Pixar movies, this one doesn't emotionally sort of uh, resonate with me as much as the other ones did. Soul, I bring it up so much because Soul was a movie that I felt like like uh, I thought some of the thoughts, even though I'm not as old as the main character, but like looking back on my life, like in the future I like if I didn't accomplish what I'm thinking now I want to accomplish how would I view that was really a question that the movie tackled and and like explained in a way that that resonated with me this movie didn't have something like that so it couldn't really be at that level and I think it borrows some from Finding Nemo and I just think Finding Nemo is better 
So, yeah. so, uh, but I think it's a very nice and a very solid addition to the Pixar, you know, group of films. So, uh, yeah, it's now time to close the vault. All right. Um, Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Oh.